What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, the SPM show. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another fantastic podcast episode. My guest today, his name is Al, and he's from Durham Pasta, which is a small pasta slash pizza shop that opened up in my neck of the woods right around the corner from me. But he also has a restaurant in the North End. And if you're not familiar, or you are familiar, Boston has its Italian district. It's called the, We call it the North End. And it's in Boston. He has a restaurant that's in Boston. And he was operating that restaurant, creating pasta, creating pizza. He needed a facility to deal with the amount of pasta that he was making and his dough. And he opened up right down the street from me. He opened up a pasta. You can go in there. You can buy fresh pasta. You can buy dough. You can buy bread. They have uh, Sicilian pizzas ready and available for you there. And I stopped in one day because I thought this was a cool place. I didn't know he was uh, part of the restaurant in the North End, but I stopped into his place. The pizza was really good. If you go to our Instagram page, Smart Pizza Marketing, it was. Uh, I took a photo of it and put it on there. It's like the square pizza in the box, probably from a few weeks ago if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out. But I was intrigued. It was a great place. I bought a dough ball. I made a pizza at home with it. I bought some pasta. I tried it out. It was really good. I said, you know, what? I want to talk to this guy. Come to find out, he owns a restaurant that I'm very familiar with in the North End. So I said, Al, you got to join me on the podcast. Talk about how you're shipping your pasta, how you're creating it, how you're moving it around from from where your facility is located near me to where your business is in Lynn. I mean, in Boston is is a pretty long distance. How you doing that? So we talk about how we got started, how we started in the North End, why he opened up a little bit outside of Boston, and how he conducts his business and how he makes the fresh pasta. So if you're looking to have a commissary or you're looking to make dough in a different facility or you maybe you've outgrown your restaurant and there's just no chance for you to expand outward to build more onto your restaurant, but you need a place to make your dough and make pasta or maybe you want to sell pasta. You want to make fresh pasta and sell it. This is definitely the episode you want to check out with Al. Great episode and a great conversation with him on today's podcast episode. But before that, we have to do is we have to say thanks to our sponsor. Today's sponsor is The Mail Shark. If you're looking for a cost-effective way to bring new and repeat customers into your pizza shop, consider a direct mail marketing campaign for your business from The Mail Shark. According to the Association of National Restaurant Advertisers, direct mail has the highest response rate for any marketing medium see the greatest use in B2C campaigns. Over the past decade, MailShark has helped 7,000 pizzerias grow with custom direct mail solutions. Explore some options at the MailShark. The cool thing about the MailShark is that they don't let make you pay all up front. So if you're a small pizzeria and you're just opening up the doors and you're looking to get the word out there about your business, Call the Mail Shark. Their phone number is 610-621-5116 or go to themailshark.com forward slash SPM for some information. They get, they'll help you get started, especially if you're new. You need to get your menu out there. You need to get people aware of what you're doing, even if you're going to be doing digital. So go to mailshark.com, themailshark.com forward slash SPM or give them a phone call. Again, that number is 610-621-5116. If you're looking to just get started, they can help you out. They have custom plans to help you pay for it as you go. Super great company. They've been doing it for a long time, and they're a sponsor of this podcast that helps us keep this show going. So go check them out, and if you do, let them know you heard about them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. And also, if you need our help, we have the Mastermind Group available for you. Definitely go check it out. Listen, our mastermind calls lately have been on fire. We've been talking about Instagram. We've been talking about text message marketing. We've been talking about growth. All of the things that you're thinking of doing in your business, and maybe you're just not sure. 
You wanted, you need some help. You need some guidance. You need some ideas from other people who are in the business and actually operating. Our mastermind group lately has been a great resource for that. I guarantee you on every call that we have, and we do two a month, every call you will walk away with at least, at least one idea that's going to make you money in your business. One on every single call, guaranteed. So go check it out, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. You'll have to submit your information because I want to talk to the people in there. And this group isn't for everybody. It's only for uh, people who want to really grow their business and are really uh, motivated and want to make their business the best that they can possibly make it. So if that's you, and it sounds like you because you're listening to this show right here, go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind and give us all of your info. All of it. We want every single piece of info you have. All of it. Go check it out. All right, guys. So let's get into today's podcast episode with Al from Durham Pasta. And we're back. Smart Pizza Marketing. This is the podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs, pizza makers, everybody in the local business space. Al Giorgio from Durham Pasta is joining me on the podcast. So thanks, Al, for joining me. First of all, welcome to the show. Pleasure to do it. So tell everybody, Al, where you're from. And what you do? Um, I'm from uh, the Boston area, a little outside of Boston. I was born in uh, Revere. Um, basically, what we do is we do um, organic pasta, organic fresh pasta. So we um, we're in uh, we have a little retail store over here in Lynn, Massachusetts, and uh, we do a little bit of wholesale. Excellent. And how did you get started? Well, basically, I was born into it. My parents actually opened a pizza place in the North End, Boston, in the in the mid '80s. So essentially, I've been in like this type of business since before I can even remember. Wow. That pizza, yeah. So that pizza place was similar, like kind of sales pizza, oh, which yeah. I'm sure you heard of. Yeah, yeah. In premise, not really product, but you know, big old pizzas, a ton of variety slices. Actually, Sal used to intern for my father. They kind of went to the in the north end and learned the ropes and all no, that sir. stuff. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we probably should have asked him a thing or two because he's doing huge things with all his places, <laughs> yeah, and all no the kidding. things. He went to. So. Um, yeah, so back in the yeah mid '80s, he was like uh you know learning the ropes back back in uh, in town with my father. So well, that's crazy. So Sal was a, he's a smart business guy, but he learned the pizza industry from you guys. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So and then my father went up there and kind of like looked at his first spot. I think it was somewhere in New Hampshire. I want to say maybe Nashville, New Hampshire, somewhere near a college. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, and look what he's doing now. It's it's insane. So my yes. father always kicks himself because <laughs> we, actually moved, we moved into the restaurant business after that. So yeah. we actually own a restaurant in the North End called La Familia Giorgio's. Okay, yeah, yeah. On Salem Street in the North End. I'm very so familiar. So that's kind of how this premise kind of started because we've been making our pasta since, you know, forever, homemade pasta. And we just kind of basically ran out of room. Wow. So if, if anybody yeah. who's listening to the podcast who's not familiar with Sal, Sal's is a uh, 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 I don't want to say it's a franchise up here, but it's a pretty good sized pizzeria restaurant. And Sal Lapoli started it, and then he grew that into multiple locations. Started the franchise, started a commissary, and then he bought a huge mill. And now he's in real estate. Yep. So yep. that's what he. That's who he. Who Al's referring to when we say Sal from Sal's Pizza. Yeah, but very, I'm very. Uh, yeah, yeah someone to definitely look up to, especially in the business. Yeah, he's done a lot in a short period of time for sure. Yeah, crazy. So I'm very familiar with your restaurant in the North End. I've been there very many times. I didn't know you were the owner of that one, though. Yes, yeah. So my parents started that in 1990. You know, so we've just been kind of, you know, 
shucking out huge places, plates of fresh pasta for, you know, almost 30 years. So. so what made you decide to open this shop? So basically, yeah, we ran out of room over there making the pasta. So it was like, we were looking for like more of a warehouse. Um, and you know, over the years, you know, we had almost six locations in, um, of La Familia Giorgio's and we just always, one, uh, business lesson we've learned is that you got to own the real estate. Because as soon as your, your, your leases come up, all yeah. of a sudden they're raising the rent. They see you got lines out the door. So that's basically <laughs> what we were doing, looking looking all around. And this spot came up. And it wasn't the biggest spot, but it had a couple, like a little rental income as well on the top. And um, it kind of just fit the bill for right now, where it would give us a little more room to make the pasta. We could do a little retail mm. and a little wholesale outside. Because real estate in the North End must be really expensive. Oh, it's, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> So the, Never mind, you can't get any trucks down to pick up your food or anything like that. You know? Yeah, I'm amazed. You know, obviously, way back in the day, it was probably a lot easier for people because everybody lived in the city. But now everybody lives outskirts of the city, and I'm amazed at how busy the North End is with the lack of parking and the. I mean, other than the the, uh, you know, the transportation that the city provides, the lack of parking in the area that you're in is hard for people to get to. Yeah, it honestly is. It's insane that it's as busy as it is, because if I'm going out with my wife on a Friday night, I would never in my life go to the North End. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that too loud. Yeah, I know. And, you know, and it's just it's great. I mean, people love it. They know it's the Mecca for Italian food in Boston. So, yeah. you know, they're coming, I guess. Yeah. So that's so you decided that you needed some room to. So it, so does this place, the new your new spot, Durham Pasta in Lynn, does that provide all of the fresh pasta for your restaurant? Yes, it does. Oh, okay, so you do. You have like a commissary back there, then, huh? Yeah, essentially, like a little bit of a commissary for the pasta. Right now, we we didn't we don't do any sauces or anything, or like vegetables or anything like that. But yeah, essentially for the pasta, it's a hundred percent our commissary. Oh wow! How long have you been open there? Um, we've been open to the public since September. We bought the building last July, so we've probably been making the pasta for you know over a year here. Oh wow. And then you just decided yeah. to, what were your thoughts? Like, why didn't you open earlier to the public? Did you just not need to, or you weren't sure what was going to happen? Well, we had a little, a couple issues with um, national grid, getting them down here to switch us over to three phase for some of the equipment. It. And it just like took longer than expected. Okay. But, and what are you making there? Well, we're making uh, organic pasta essentially. And we're doing some, we do all the bread for our restaurant as well. And, um, we um also doing pizza for the retail side. Um, we got about five different breads. We do some focaccias. In terms of pastas, we do over like 27 pastas. We do, um, you know, all organic ravioli, um, gnocchi, all, all the different types of pastas. Wow. For sure. And you're selling it out the front too. Oh, yeah. Selling it out the front. Like the I know, front was the front was like kind of like a cherry on top. We weren't expecting it to be as crazy as it was. Yeah, I know. I've been in there a few times, and it, it seems really busy. If you follow me on Instagram at Smartpeeds Marketing, I visited a few weeks back and uh, kind of gave you a little bit of a tour. Uh, and I, maybe I'll do that again if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out, so you can kind of get the feel of what it's like inside there. But you walk in; it's a it's a small place to purchase uh, pre made pastas. Uh, like the uh, non-cooked pastas. You have some sauces for sale. You have some pre-made meals and you can also buy bread and things in there. Yeah. Correct. It's a really cool little spot. Yeah. How so, much? Yeah. Is, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So essentially, you know, and that's another thing too, the prepared foods I'd really say was something that we weren't expecting to do as much as we were doing. You know, I always say that, you know, we're bringing the North end to the North shore. Yeah. It's uh 
one of those things that you just never expect it to kind of explode the way it is. It's almost like 50-50 prepared foods to, you know, fresh made pasta. So it's like those sauces and those chicken palms, the lasagnas, the eggplants, all that stuff is really flying off the shelves. So did you have that idea in the beginning or was it something that you were like, hey, you know, what, let me see if we put this out here, if it will sell. Yeah, I always had, we always had the idea to have like a little bit, like definitely the sauces because it only, it only makes sense. You get your sauce, you get your pasta and maybe just like one or two things. And then the first day we opened, it was nuts how much, how fast it sold. I think we were, we opened at 10. We were sold out at like 1130 of all of our prepared foods. Wow. So obviously we had a friggin' amp up big time and make way more than we were making in off of obviously more selections. Is Do you prepare those meals differently than you would if you were in the restaurant? No, not really. It's pretty much the same recipes. Um, maybe just, you know, in, in my restaurant, when we do it to go of like, say, chicken palm with penne, penne it has to go in two containers. So we kind of like scaled it down a little bit to fit into one container. Got it. But it's the same preparation and same, like how, if someone else is listening yeah. to this and they have a restaurant or a pizzeria and they want to kind of get ready to do some prepared meals to go, well, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I'd essentially just keep doing what you're doing to keep your brand the same. But um, yeah, I mean, what you really need to do is, you know, cook big batches, almost like catering batches, and then just portion it according to what you think, you know, fits your brand and fits the bill for you guys, you know? Yeah. So like us, so if you get like a, a tray of lasagna, you know, maybe you get 12, 16 portions out of it, depending on what you want to do. And there's not a lot of places doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's only a few in the North Shore, and then and there's no one that I can think of that's doing it organic, like with organic marinara sauce. And you can't find many places at all that are doing organic pasta or organic ravioli, you know, stuff with organic cheeses because it is burdensome in price. But sometimes you just got to offer a better product. And why? Why did you go that route? Basically, you know, it's. I guess it's our mission, you know, to bring it back to the old days before they were all these chemicals and um, shit, for lack of a better word, yeah. added to being added to the food. Because back in the day when our great, great grandparents were eating and none of this stuff, you know, they weren't doing the same processes, processes. And why do you think they do that? What, for the, the almighty dollar and to get a better yield? I think, you know, we have to move past that. And I think it's affecting our bodies. And, and you see these people with these allergies to certain flowers and, and, it, and it's... I think if you just use simple ingredients, some of those issues would go away. Not all, but some some would go away. You know, I even feel that the pasta that we eat now, because we switched over to organic probably like two years ago. I used to get stomach aches all the time when I ate regular pasta. And, you know, I, that's what I've been living on my whole life. Right. So <laughs> yeah. and as soon as we move to organic, this organic flour, I, I feel like my stomach aches don't, they're not there anymore. So it's like something they're doing to the flour. I don't know what it is. I have no science behind it, but I just feel like you're, you're eating a more cleaner, simpler product and it's just, it's worlds away better. Yeah. That seems to be a, a big trend now between naturally leavened dough, you know, organic flour, making sure that, I mean, people nowadays, especially the younger generation, they really kind of want to know what they're eating and how it's prepared and what's behind the products that the, the, the restaurant or the business is using that they're putting in their body. That's really important to them versus what it was like. Like you said, when we were growing up, it's just like you you wanted to make it as cheap as you possibly can to get the highest yield of profit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, everyone's looking to make money. Of course. You know, 
Yeah, but uh, at the same time, yeah, that's another thing too that we, we we've been kind of playing around with is a naturally leavened side. You know, I've done it a few times in the in the pizza, and I like sometimes like the product, and sometimes I don't. So it's just we got to get it in a consistent level. So right now we're at a very low percentage of yeast because we use some pre ferments in there. But yeah, yeah that's that's a, a way that we definitely see ourselves going all naturally leavened all our breads and our pizza dough because just to get away from that commercial aspect a little more if yeah. you can. I've been testing it out myself. I'll give you I'll give you when we get off the podcast, I'll give you an intro to two guys that have helped me out a lot figure out All the right, whole well. naturally living thing that they're experts at it. Um yeah, that's cool. and I'll give you an intro to them because I've been researching it a lot myself. I've been in the pizza industry for a long time. We did it the same old way, right? Like really high gluten flour, uh, yeast and you make it you make your dough, it's not as watery, it's like kind of tight because you need it to last for a few days. Yeah, um, we did that whole process ourselves, and my daughter actually had the same thing that you had happen. Like she started to get a stomach aches, and her stomach wasn't feeling well. And we realized that when you use less gluten and less mm-hmm. unnatural ingredients, it she felt better. So that's when I've been yeah. doing a ton of research on the naturally living dough and trying to really make. It, research people who are doing it well and try to do it at home like naturally leavened dough so that way because i love pizza and we all love pizza and pasta and we want to be able to eat that but not feel horrible after yeah exactly and that's the main thing if you can do that get a better product too because you will get a better product you're going to get more flavor naturally leavened and it's it just makes all the sense in the world to move towards that yeah and i know that it's more expensive to do and if you are an existing business trying to transition into that it may be challenging for you Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you started out that way with this new place that you have. So it's like, they only know you for that. Yeah. And it makes sense to, you know, it makes sense that, you know, what, wh- how can you say you're with organic flour, but then you're using, you know, commercial yeast, right. you know what I mean? So it's like kind of all goes hand in hand. Do you make your dough for your restaurant in the North end at the commissary place? Yes, we do that as oh, well. Wow. Yep. So you make all your dough there and you transport it over? Transport it over. Yep. Is it really much easier that way, or is it? Is it? Was there really a that lack of space in the at your restaurant that you had to do it? Because Lynn's not exactly close to the north end. It's not far, but it's not super close. Yeah, that's true. But we got the guy going anyways with the pasta and and all the um, the bread, so it's it's kind of convenient in that way. But yeah, it's definitely. Um, well, the the main reason why we took it out is because the we brought the uh, bakery guy who made all the bread and the pizza dough brought them over to Lynn. So, <laughs> so it. it's just one, you know, and you can, we can watch it a little better, get a little more room too. So now we got a little more room in the North end to, for other storage, uh, more wines or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause the North end's tight. Oh, very tight. And we got one of the bigger places. We got like 150 seats. We got two floors and, and it's, we're still like bursting at the seams. Yeah. Cause you're on in the North end, you're like down the street from Bova on that side street not the hanover street but the one beside it right parallel to yes it? yeah salem street yeah, yeah. right okay. on boat where bova's is yeah right a couple doors up yeah and your restaurant there is one of the larger ones i mean there's some restaurants in the north end on hanover street that have like four seats yeah it's insane i i don't i honestly don't understand how the math works when you got that little that little seats but you know what we got the places that have been in business for 30 40 years and they just make it work how do you get the message out for your place in Lynn, like, did you do any marketing or advertising to let people know you're open or just open? Absolutely zero marketing. I always did was, all we did was a Facebook post. I, I remember when I, I turned to my father, I'm like, I'll be shocked if five people come through the door today, you know, because I, we weren't really expecting. We figured oh, it'll be a soft, soft opening. And yeah. then, you know, you, 200 people come in, you know, 
So that's unbelievable. Yeah, You've been lucky there because I know where you are, and there's been a few different places there. Yeah, very, very lucky. You know, I think that people. Um, I think that you know, fresh pasta is something that very few people do, and there's not there's none in the air in this immediate area. You know, maybe you have to go to Riviera or like up to like Gloucester to get um to get fresh pasta. So everyone, you know, we're pretty lucky because the spot we're in touches a lot of different cities. It touches Nahan, it touches Swamp Squad. It's kind of a pass through for a lot of these people heading towards heading to work. So, you know, we got visibility a little bit on a like a, a pretty main traveled road. But um, yeah, it's not the easiest place to get to. That's for sure. What's your process like to make your fresh pasta? If you don't mind sharing a little. Yeah, so it actually, it's it's like the easiest thing in the world. You know, it's so much easier than you know bread and all the other stuff we do. Essentially, all it is is flour, water, and eggs, and it, it, and a lot of a lot of and you don't even need eggs on some of the pastas. You wow. know what I mean? And it, yeah, so you you take that pasta, you're gonna hydrate it with a certain percentage of um, water or fluid of some sort, you know, and then um, you're gonna push it. You could either two ways. We either push it through a bronze dye and it gets it um, kind of that rustic exterior of it where the sauce will stick to it. Or we're going to push it through like a series of laminators, which will kind of give it a smoother, flatter. So that's like kind of for the flatter pastas, like your pappadelli, your fettuccine, and your raviolis. Oh, wow. So it's not that. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I, there was a spot that we used to make some fresh pasta, but we didn't sell it a lot. We just kind of made it for ourselves. And I know that the process. Right. It's not necessarily like the ingredients or the process that's hard. It's the machines that you need. Like you said, the dyes, those can be expensive. Yeah, it is a little, it is a, it is a little burdensome to like when like cost wise for, for certain machines, especially if you're trying to do a little bit of wholesale and, you know, right now we're probably pumping out, I don't know, five, five to 7,000 pounds of pasta a week. Wow. So to do that by hand would be like insane. So you can't do that. I mean, we'd have to have 50 people on a bench on 50 benches trying to do that. So, um, the, you, the machines you have to get are a little expensive and you know, every single pasta you see has to go through a different bronze dye or has to go through a different cutter in the laminated machine, different raviolis cost, you know, different molds for that. Those are very expensive as well. So yeah, it is a little burdensome, but um, it kind of you'd be paying for it in labor the other way if you went by hand. True, you pay me now or pay me later, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. What? How long does the pasta last once it's made? Like, do you have to do something to it to be able to freeze it, or can you leave it in the refrigerator? And how long before it like gets stuck together again? Yeah, so frozen six months. So as soon as it's fresh, you know, you you obviously dry it a little bit on, on just by floor drying it, and um, yeah, six months in the freezer. You know, some people say 14 days in the fridge. I think that's insane. I usually like to say <laughs> like five to seven days. Yeah. But you can, you know, it just starts to lose like um, a good look after like seven days. So it's, it's like, yeah, the texture starts, it almost starts to form back into like a dough ball almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or lose its so. like if you're using ZD or penne, it loses its circular shape. Yeah, and the biggest mistake a lot of places make is they they they'll sprinkle the flour on. You might notice this on the on the pasta after it's right? made, so, like after it comes at, out of the dye. Yeah, so the so what they're doing though is they're adding gluten to it. So now that gluten over time, what's it going to do? It's going to want to stick to other gluten. Yeah. Uh. So by so they think that they're helping it by coating it with the same flour. So if they're going to do it, they should add like a like a no gluten flour, like a rice flour. So if you were to do it at your house, you'd want to, you want, you would want to like dust it with like a rice flour or something with no gluten. Oh. Otherwise it's just going to become like a gelatinous, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like almost like Play-Doh a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Over so, time, because 
that's what's gonna just gonna ruin it. So when it comes out of the uh, machine, out of the dye, it gets cut, it gets air dried, and then you guys like uh, sprinkle rice flour over it. Or you we actually the only one we actually have to dust with rice flour is our gnocchi because it will stick together. The other one we we dry with fans. So as it's coming out of the dry, it'll dry with a fan, and then that's all you really need to do. So we have them in perforated trays, dried with fans, and then they'll never stick together. So we don't dust at all. Oh wow. Yeah, you don't technically need to dust at all. So, wow. but at, at home it's a different issue because you know you don't have the commercial fans and all that stuff. But yeah, dust it with rice flour if you're going to dust anything. Yeah, my wife you never lets me do any of that stuff at home because she says you're too used to working <laughs> in a commercial kitchen and my and my house becomes a disaster after I'm done. Oh yeah, me too. At the house, the the wife's like, oh my gosh, it looks like some a flour exploded in here. <laughs> yeah, she looks at me after yeah. I make a pizza or a pasta. I can't believe anybody ever paid you to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You look, you're a hot mess over there. Yeah, yeah. So, what about pizza? How what kind of style of pizza are you guys making there? So we kind of went back and forth. Um, we were gonna do more of a Roman style pizza, and then we wanted we definitely wanted to do square pizza, mm-hmm. but we went back and forth where I was thinking, okay, I wanted to do Roman. And then I wanted to do traditional, you know, just like bakery pizza. So we kind of went somewhere in the middle. Like a Sicilian? Like, yeah, like a Sicilian, you know. So that's kind of where we're at. You know, I, we kind of use like a very high hydration dough, kind of similar to like our ciabatta dough, like focaccia-ish would be, I would say, how our dough, you know, is the final product. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, that thing's proofing. We got a proof in a bulk proof for almost 72 hours. Wow. Then we throw it in a proofer just to get it stretched to the Sicilian style for another couple hours and we just let it rise. So it's really thick, but it, it, it does taste, I think, anyways, light and airy as well. Yeah, it does. I, de- I actually had your pizza. I was in there and um, I had oh, really? Yeah, I had some of the pizza there. And I have to say, it was almost. like it was almost like an inch and a half thick. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. But the thing was, you eat the pizza, and I eat a lot of pizza doing the show and traveling around. I get to eat a lot of pizza. So you look at that pizza, and I'll you know what if you if you're listening to this podcast, go check out when it comes out the day it comes out. Go check out our Instagram, Smart Pizza Marketing. I'll share a photo, and I'll link you guys up in there. And All right, awesome. take a look at this f- pizza because you're gonna look at the square pizza, and you're gonna be like, "There's that looks so filling." But I you eat it, and you like you mentioned earlier, you don't get the feeling after of being like bogged down or feel, you don't feel heavy. So it is super light and airy, even though it looks very thick. Yeah. It was a good slice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly that's kind of exactly what we were looking for. My two favorite, you know, kind of bakery pizzas are obviously Galleria Umberto and yep. the North End. And then there's a place up in Portland. I don't know if you've ever been to it, Portland, Maine, called Slab. Yep. You've been there? Yep. I wanted a mix of those two. Yeah. So that was kind of like, you know, not as crazy as Slab. And, you know, you gotta keep the Italian roots. So Yeah, but you don't serve that stuff. You don't serve square pizza. Do you serve square pizza at your restaurant in North End? No, just just circle pies. Yeah, just yeah. regular traditional. Regular traditional. Not yeah. necessarily Neapolitan, but not New York style either, right? Right, right. It's like so a it's combination kind of, in the of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I actually went in there. I had your pizza there too. Oh, awesome! I've been That's in there. Awesome. I didn't know before. I knew about you in this new place. I didn't know you owned that one as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's kind of a small world putting two and two together, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been to that restaurant because the one in the North End, we've been many times. We've been there for lunch. You know, a lot of my family, we on their birthdays, that's where we go. Because you guys, like you said, it's the North End. You have good home, homemade food, good-sized portions, and there's a lot of space in there because there's like 15 of us. Yeah. So a yeah, lot of the exactly. places in the North End don't have that many space. Yeah. 
but then, exactly just yeah. like mom and pop a mom and pop place you know trying to give you you know big old portions you know for for a good price yeah if you can give a good product at a competitive price you're going to do good if you can give a great product at a very competitive price you're going to do even better totally and i think that's kind of what like our motto is yeah and like in the north end you ex- you you expect that but like what you're doing in the lynn area which is outside of boston there's not a lot of people doing that yeah i mean yeah so my, my thing is like you gotta just every single day you got to see how you can get better because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. <laughs> that's you know true. I mean? So it's like every little thing you get a tweak, you get to look at it, and then that's that's what we just try to do. So it's like you know that you had that pizza you had today, maybe you know tomorrow we're at a hundred percent, you know naturally love and dough. You know what I mean? That's just how we're gonna keep going and keep going until you know until we get the best product possible, and then that product. We'll probably try to get better again. <laughs> yeah, you got to always be testing, right? Like there's always something exactly. else that you could do better or different procedure or a new ingredient that may be better you always have to be testing yeah i mean the world moves so fast nowadays if you just if you just sit there and do the same thing you've been doing forever you before you know it five years is going to go by and you're going to be way behind everybody else yep exactly and then that's the worst thing you can be is stale in this business are you going to start selling pizza so i know you sell pizza by the slice out of that uh, your durham pasta shop are you going to start selling like whole pizzas out of there yeah, so we do the sheet pans right now. We do the whole sheet tray. Um, so it's a it's a pretty big 17 by 25 inch pizza. So, you know, we get a lot of them. We probably sell not too many, probably like 15 a week. But you're not doing too much marketing there. So probably just people who happen to stop in, right? Right, exactly. So right now it's just basically word of mouth. We haven't done too much marketing, just kind of Instagram. You know, I think that we kind of, you know, we're under we're under what we should be doing on like social media. You know, we could definitely be doing more. I think everyone could be doing more. Totally. But, uh, but like you got to take it like you don't want to if you start off the thing that like when you're new to someplace and you probably know this, like when you open up, there's two things that could happen. You could nobody know about you and show up and then you kind of screwed or you could be really busy without doing too much marketing. You want to kind of be in the middle there where enough people come in to keep you open, but you don't have too many people come in and you screw everything up and or nobody comes in and you got to go out of business. Yeah. So yeah, uh, hopefully we're in that little money making uh, position. Um, we would, um, yeah, I, I just think that we got lucky at how many people came at first and then and it's just spreading kind of like wildfire. So we didn't have, to, we weren't pressured to do too much outside marketing. Right. That's good. That's a good right. position to be in. Yeah, Let the definitely. And I think spread I, for you. And I think it helps when you own the building and you got a little wholesale and essentially it's a commissary. So everything else is kind of a little cherry on top. Yeah. It's like, you know, you got to have multiple, you have multiple streams of income for one business, right? You have the wholesale, you have the little storefront, you have some retail upstairs or rental space that nothing, if one of those things stops, you're not going to be killed by your business. Exactly. And I think that's like the main deal, the main thing. Yeah. It's like a lot of people who do, it's like the third party system right with these third-party deliveries a lot of businesses grew on leveraging third-party delivery services and then if they stop their business stops which is a horrible position to be in yeah um i was actually listening to one of your um your podcasts and you had the guy in from um i think he was tulsa and he was saying that he loved the third party but he didn't he didn't it seemed like he didn't rely on it it was almost just like extra for him yeah i think that if you there's so many different I've, – I've done so many different podcasts and talked to so many different people, and I've never really gotten one concise answer on if you should use third parties or not. There's some people who are like, no, they're the devil, 
And then there's some people yeah. who are like, they're awesome. I couldn't run my business without it. I really think it depends on your business and you have to look at it on a case by case level. And like you are doing with your business, where you have multiple streams. I think that if you leverage it that way and you try to convert the customers that find you on the third party platforms into your own customers who call you directly or go to your website, that's the best way to do it. I don't think any business should heavily rely on third-party sites because you never know what's going to happen. What if they close? Or what if they decide one day to charge you $10 per customer? And you're like, yeah. you have no other choice but to accept it. Yeah, it's almost like extortion at that point. You yeah, know? exactly. Like They could do yeah. that, right? If you're 100% leveraged on them, they could literally come to you and be like, you know what? We're not going to send you any more orders unless you pay us this. And you're like, dang, what am I going to do? Yeah, and this, and they they can see everything that they're pulling in for you, so right. that it gives them a, a little more leverage that way. So, so I always gotta, I always tell people like if you can do it without them, you're much better off. Oh, definitely. You don't have to give them their cut too, and right. it's like if you can survive without it, and then it, and then maybe you bring it in as like just kind of a little little thing on the side, then that's different. But I, you should never never put all your eggs in one basket, especially yeah. that basket that can change at any moment. Yeah, I think the 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 podcast that I've done of the people who are happy with third party are the ones that are doing it just like you said it. Like they have their own solid business and they're using it as a way to add additional business that maybe they wouldn't get. That's great if they get it, but they don't rely on it. Right, exactly. Um, that's, yeah, so interesting. Those That's still a topic up for debate. I think we've been talking about that for three years now. <laughs> oh yeah, and and it's funny because it's, it's like you ever watch the news and they're like, chocolate's bad for you. Then two weeks <laughs> later, like chocolate's good for you. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. It's just yeah. like, it's just in every field possible, you have experts saying this is the best, this is the best. That's why you just got to kind of make your own way and do your own thing. It's so true. Like the one thing I've learned about doing this podcast is there's no one answer. Yeah, for anything. Definitely. Should you use Instagram? I don't know. Maybe you're in <laughs> Iowa and nobody is on Instagram. Maybe you probably shouldn't waste any time on there. But if you're in New York City or you're in Boston, you probably should. So like there's no one set answer for any question that's like across the board. Other yeah. than serve a good product and have good service. That's that's the two that I think you yeah, you hit it on the head there. Yeah, those are the two constants. Everything else you can kind of twist and twist and tweak and test, but like you have to start with a good product and you have to give really good service. And those two will yeah. make you stand out no matter what you do. No one's going to come in on a consistent basis for a mediocre product. Yeah, we do marketing yeah. for places, right? And we yeah. tell people we'll look them up before we work with them because if you're getting bad reviews, all we're going to do is expose those. Yeah, you no, know? no so crap. Yeah. People hate your pizza. Five people hate your pizza now. The only thing that's going to happen from us helping you is 20 people are going to hate your pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get magnified. Right. It's going to get magnifying glass now, yeah. So you're better <laughs> off fixing your pizza first and doing good service and then worry about marketing. Yep. But it was awesome talking to you, Al. Where can people go check you out if they want to either stop in or if they're listening to the podcast and they want to go follow you or say hello? Yeah, so you can either come in um, uh, at Durham at uh, 437 Eastern Ave, Lynn, Mass, or you can stop by, you know, the North End. If you're ever in the North End, you want some Italian food at La Familia Giorgio's, that's on 112 Salem Street. You can catch us on uh, Instagram at, at Durham Pasta or at La Fam Giorgio. Um, yeah, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it. And I actually listen to your podcast. I love it. I, I, I tell myself every time I'll listen to it on the way, way into work. And I'm like, I got to sit down with a notepad sometimes because yeah. some of these people, they have so, such good ideas. It I got to start listening to you with like, at least take some notes because they do. 
So a lot of them are doing a very good job. So. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Don't hang up, Giorgio. But if right. you guys are listening at home or if you are driving the car like Giorgio does or Al does, um, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com. We'll link up all of his uh, Instagram and his website over there. And if you are stopping in the North End, which I get questions a lot because I live in Boston. So anytime anybody who listens to the podcast says, hey, Bruce, I'm coming to Boston. Where should I go? Go check out uh, Al's restaurant in the North End. It's a great spot. You won't regret it. Uh, we'll link that up as well. So th- Al, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate you joining me. No problem at all. All right. Well, thanks to Al for joining me on the podcast. Always great to talk to some people. I love talking to people in my local area too, because I feel like even myself included have talked like Boston doesn't have great pizza. And although our pizza game isn't as strong as New York, I really feel like this podcast and the internet, Instagram is making us in this area aware of the fact that we need to step up our game. And I'm super proud of the guys who are doing a great job whether that be with Italian restaurants or pasta or pizza in our area. And I really want to feature those guys and make sure that they get their recognition and that the reputation of Boston comes back or is elevated. (laughs) Maybe not as elevated as New York is going to be, but definitely I want Boston to be in the conversation for places that have good pizza. And there's definitely some places in the Boston area who are doing pizza well, and I want to feature them because I have this platform and I can do that. So thanks so much for tuning in. Go check out Durham Pasta. Go into the North End. Go to our website, smartpizzamarketing.com. Check out Al's links to his two restaurants. If you are in the North End, I highly recommend you check out his restaurant, La Familia, because it's a great place. Get the pasta. The pasta is fantastic over there. I've been there many times before I even knew Al, and before I had him on this podcast. So legit uh, recommendation there from me. And also go check out our mastermind group. Like I mentioned, thank you so much to the Mail Shark. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who's listening to this podcast. If you want to get a hold of me, you can shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. Also, follow us on Instagram. I've been getting a lot of messages from you guys over there on Instagram, and I truly appreciate every single one of them. Smart Pizza Marketing on Instagram. Also, if you want to follow the business aspect of it, the traveling, the speaking engagements, all of that stuff, I share a little bit on Smart Pizza Marketing, but I share most of the behind the scenes over at the Bruce Irving on Instagram. And if you enjoy this podcast and you are a local business owner, go subscribe to our other sister podcast, the Local Business Podcast. That show we share from other businesses, donut places. Uh, we're going to have a taco place on. We're going to have some burger places on there. And we're going to share what's working for those because although they're not in the pizza industry, and that's where we share these stories from that you've heard today and that you've subscribed to in the past over here, they are definitely aspects of those businesses that you can utilize in yours. So go subscribe to that one. Plus, I'm speaking at Social Media Marketing World, and uh, all of the speakers there I know, I'm going to invite them onto the podcast and share everything they know. I'm going to hammer them with questions. YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, email marketing, messenger marketing, if that's still something that we can use, uh, Twitter, everything that you can think of to, to market a local business, I'm going to extract all of the information from every speaker that I meet or I talk to or I know from social media marketing world, which is happening next week if you're listening to this podcast live. So go subscribe to that podcast. You will not regret it. And we'll see you guys on the next one.